1: And welcome everybody to the latest episode of Culture Clash here on the Fandom Podcast Network. I am your host for the evening, Kyle Wagner, and looking forward to having a very fun episode of Culture Clash because we've got something special planned. We are going to be getting our Culture Clash Guide to Time Travel, where we are going to spotlight a time travel movie every every episode of Culture Clash for a while because 2024 is the year of time travel here at the Fandom Podcast Network. And I can't think of two better companions to time travel with than my brother from another mother, the co-founder of the Phantom Podcast Network, Mr. Kevin Reitzel. So, you know, what's funny, Kyle, as, uh we've, we've chosen 2024 is the year of time travel for us here on Culture Clash and Phantom Podcast Network. And I put a post on Facebook a few days ago how I had never seen the movie A Boy and His Dog, uh, which came out in like 72, 74, something like that, starring Don Johnson. Uh, and it apparently takes place in 2024. And even weirder, I went to the flea market yesterday and actually found a copy of that movie on DVD. I don't know what to say. That, that's Kismet. <laughs> I always laugh. It reminds me of like Robotech or Transformers. When Like in Transformers, the movie, it is the year 2005. <laughs> like, but this is what we're highlighting right here. Sound of Thunder. More of thunder. on that. And, and you know what? We have somebody to thank for that movie being our first time travel spotlight because we can't time travel without our other time warp co-host. And she is the of course, the queen of movie foo the one and only Lacey Adderhole. Yay. Lacey, hold yours up. Hold yours up. Sound of thunder, sound of thunder. I have, Do you guys want to talk about how that came about or you want to wait, wait later in the show. Yeah, for that? Well, we can kind of pre- preview it a little bit. Why I think sound yeah. of thunder is kicking things off because um I kind of got the ball rolling. A, about a month ago now because I was traveling and I happened to stop at the Queen of Movie Foo's movie mansion because you can see behind her. I the mean, movie mansion. <laughs> Kevin, I'm sorry, but I think she might put you to the shame just a little bit. Oh, I know. she died. When I saw how much space, because remember, I went to her place before you did mm-hmm. and she was still working on the space, but I saw how much space she had and I saw all the boxes that contained the loot of movies and I was like, dang. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But we were trying. I was. I, I she she was kind enough to let me crash for the night for my travels, and we were trying to figure out a movie to watch, and we were going through stuff she hadn't seen yet, and I spotted a sound of thunder. And Lacey, you thought it was a different type of movie than what
0: I did. If you look at this, I mean, it's got a moth on the front, and traditionally, I mean, what do you think of when you think of a moth, right? You think the Mothman prophecies. You think maybe Silence of the Lambs has a lot moth on the front cover. I really did think it was a horror movie. Um, I I will follow an actor if I if there's an actor I like I will I'll just I'll go and grab everything I can of theirs to kind of have their whole um, catalog, and I had bought this because of Ed Burns and. It's one of those things I have to be in a very specific frame of mind. I have to have like three people with me. I have to watch a Disney pers- a Disney movie afterwards if I watch a horror movie. Like I can't, I, there's special conditions.
1: Yeah. You got to get stuff. So, you got to, you got to yeah, kind of like yeah. rinse stuff out. You you rinse know? Rinse you
0: before rinse. the dreaming, right? And so I, when I said you picked that one out and I was like, oh, that's a horror movie. I mean, it's cool. You were like, no, no, it's not. It's <laughs> <was> like, okay, <laughs> well, it's 100%. Don't judge a movie by its cover.
1: Yeah, that is for sure. And we will get into that more a little later. Yeah. But of course, this is Culture Clash on the Fandom Podcast Network, um, the flagship show of the Fandom Podcast Network. Kevin, you realize we're almost going, I think it's year seven now. Yeah. Yeah. We started uh, around this time back in 2016. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel all the time is flying, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> But we, we like I said, this is Culture Clash, the flagship show of the Fandom Podcast Network. And we've got a very fun episode planned today. We've got, we, of course, the latest in fandom news. We've got some fandom reviews. And, of course, our guide to time travel spotlighting A Sound of Thunder. So without further ado, let's talk about some things that are happening on the Fandom Podcast Network. Shout out to Ken in the chat. What's up, buddy? Thank you for joining us. Much appreciated. Shout out to Kenny. I saw he's been watching Reacher season two. I need to watch yesterday's episode, which I know is the season finale. Don't know. Yes. I will be doing that right after we do this. Yeah. <laughs> my dad's really excited for it. Well, Reacher, right.
0: But, it's the first thing I'm going to watch when, now that I got my full setup done. That's the first. I just finally got like all the channels, all the streaming, everything. And Reacher's like the top of my list.
1: Nice. Yeah. Very nice. Nice. Um, but Kevin, we got some things happening around the fandom podcast network, including things that are coming soon and just arrived and to kick things off. Did we have a draft? Did, did, did a draft happen on the fandom podcast network, Kevin? We did. And we've had drafts before with, uh, sports ball, football, as, uh, Lacey might say, but we decided to have a little fun with, uh, the hair metal genre, hair metal era of 1980s through, uh, early nineties. Um, metal music and my uh, new co-host of the hair metal podcast Mike came up with an idea saying well why don't we take all of these you know all these awesome rock stars and musicians and let's hold our own draft and make our own supergroup out of it and so we had a lot of fun with that and I decided to take the ball and run with it saying it has to take place in 1989 because that's when a lot of the old and the new were relevant uh, of that era and had a little fun with that and uh, had You know, had you guys, uh, you know, choose your writer backstage demands and what cause you're playing for and why you're bringing these five members together for a limited time. And uh, we couldn't do it without you, Kyle, because you were our commissioner. You kept us in line and had a little fun with it at the time, too. I think you still have some resentment at me, though, for rejecting your challenge. Yeah, I threw a red flag challenge, which you allowed us to do, like they do in the NFL, because I challenged one of the picks, which I don't want to spoil here. But yes, and uh, I got voted down. Thank you very much. And I am a little bitter about that. (laughs) That's okay, because I still think I might have the best band with the leftovers. (laughs) Kyle Kyle decided to pick his own band after we were done drafting, because there was four of us, of the leftovers that were not drafted, and it was pretty darn good. Well, we also have some other great things happening on the fandom podcast network, including a show. All three of us were just recording that will be coming out shortly on the fandom podcast network. It's time. It's a new year, which means it's time for a new round of time warp. But It is a little change for time warp because time warp is going monthly, Kevin. Yes, it is going monthly. We've decided there's a lot of stuff to choose when it comes to talking about the movies and the other pop culture music and such around, uh, 1984. And, uh, Obviously, 1984 is celebrating its uh, 40th anniversary, and there is some iconic movies that came out in 1984, but we decided to go monthly because there's just a lot to cover, and we want to make sure that we give some love to some of the TV shows a little bit more, and uh, um, a lot of the other pop culture surrounding the movies that we will also uh, talk about. is getting a shout-out already. Hello! That's my friend Tara. Hi, Tara. <laughs> Welcome to the chat. Much appreciated. Good to see you. And of course, Kenny can never have not have enough hair metal. So that's right. I know, right? Yeah, yeah. Also, Kevin, you got together with our good friend Lee, and I believe Lacey even snuck into that. She's all over the place on the fandom podcast network. I think she's on I more am. than you and I. I only I I only asked Lacey on for one particular reason because I knew that she would cover every single special feature commentary ever done about payback. And she
0: did not disappoint. Um, you know, there's something about watching a movie five times in one go that uh, so you can get all the information. It's just yeah, what works. Uh, works.
1: i I put this on the docket because it's celebrating its twenty fifth anniversary. It's my favorite Mel Gibson film. But more importantly, a very different ending came out with the director's cut about uh, about six, seven years later. And we discussed the differences between the two. And uh, it was a great discussion, and one of my favorite movies, totally rewatchable. Make sure you check it out. That was a great show, Lacey. Thanks for being on that. Absolutely. Also, a project I am working on. It's still in it's still in development. Hopefully, by the end of this month, we'll be recording it. Um, I've been Godzilla minus one was probably my favorite movie of last year. I'm a huge fan of giant robots and monsters. We're gonna do a cash potato theater remash of Pacific Rim because you know we just it needed to be done. Plus, we're going to have a little conversation about Godzilla Minus One and the Monsterverse because everything's kind of just coming together and having a moment right now with this genre and obviously with Legendary, not only because we have um, Godzilla Minus One. Pacific, the original Pacific Rim is a great film. Plus, we have everything going on in the Monsterverse, including the outstanding show Monarch, which just wrapped up on Apple TV, which I'm really hoping gets a second season because the way it ended it definitely gave us a cliffhanger. And then we're also maybe even talk a little bit about the upcoming Godzilla Kong film that is coming out, which might be a game changer for the Monsterverse as well. But we're going to have some fun with Pacific Rim. We will try to prevent the apocalypse. Don't count on us. <laughs> <laughs> Tara loves Pacific Rim. Yeah, I, I was fun rewatching it, Kyle. Um, got to throw it on the 3D glasses when I watched that one, too. So uh, one, one of the right. better 3D movies made. And it's yeah. got a
0: fun commentary.
1: It yes, does. It does. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a uh,
1: Guillermo. Gu- Gu- I always say Guillermo.
0: My lips don't like the
1: word. I love the my, word. My, my wife can't pronounce his name, so. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. And then coming in February, we're going to continue Time Warp. Time Warp Part 2, covering the movies of February 1984. Kevin, I, I'm feeling the need to dance, but I have no rhythm, so I probably shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, one of the... Uh, a <laughs> films will be Footloose that we'll be talking about, uh, one of my favorite films. And a film I have not seen yet that I'm looking forward to seeing is Blame It on Rio. Uh, and we'll cover, of course, some t- television and music as well. And finally, upcoming soon, not another Cash Potato Theater, but we're doing a little crossover with air metal, Kevin, because we're covering one of the funnest air metal films I think ever made. Yeah, this actually was your ideal a while ago, Kyle, and uh, it's going to come to fruition here with, especially with Mike, my new co-host of Hair Metal. We're going to be doing a crossover. Uh, we're going to be doing a, a Hair Metal podcast on the music itself and the rock stars that uh, were in the film playing rock stars and also helped contribute to the music. And then we're going to jump over to Cash Potato Theater and talk about the film in general and uh, the history of it and, uh, and have a little fun uh, looking back uh, when this movie came out it's it, it awesome. going yeah it, it's going to be a good time and just remember at the end of the, at the end of those shows both times i'm going to have to go somewhere and pee so <laughs> <laughs> but again we are doing culture clash right now live here on the Phantom podcast network youtube channel and we we'll also be putting out the um audio version of this podcast as well but it's time to talk a little news so ladies and gentlemen without further ado let's news. Use- Okay, it is time to talk some news. And the top story for me is something that I am very excited about and have had enjoyed for a while. Godzilla Minus One. But this isn't just Godzilla Minus One. This is Godzilla Minus One Minus C. That is right. At the last week of January through February 1st, Godzilla Minus One will be re-released in, will have a second release in theaters, a black and white version of Godzilla Minus One. When this run is done, uh, February 2nd, the theatrical run, which has been extended for about six weeks more than they ever intended, will f- will end for Godzilla Minus One in theaters. Kevin, I'm going to try to skip- find the time to go see this because seeing this movie in black and white just seems like it's going to give it something special. Uh, Kyle, you don't need to try to do this. You have to do this. If this is your favorite movie of all last year, you have to experience this. I love the fact that they're doing this because this is a throwback to the old original Godzillas that were that we would watch in black and white. I watched everything in black and white when I was a kid because we didn't get a color television until like 85 or 87 or something like that. So everything was black and white to me. But this is something that is a cool event to to take part of. And so uh, make the time and see this. This movie was really, really good. Now, Lacey, I haven't had a chance to have talk to you about this. Have you seen Godzilla Minus One?
0: I have not. I yeah, and you know, I gotta, I, I gotta be in the right mood to watch a Godzilla movie. Um, and I haven't been yet, it's been crazy with the house and all that kind of stuff. So, I will see it eventually. Um, and now I've got a ginormous TV to watch it on, so I don't have to worry about missing it in the theaters. But it sounds really fun to go see the black and white. I might actually do that,
1: yeah. And I will tell you this this is more in the vein of the going back to the original Godzilla Gojira film than it is any other Godzilla film out there, maybe the closest one that next to it would be Godzilla, which came out in 2016. But Mm. yeah, this movie is phenomenal and they made it on a, basically a shoestring budget and it it shows, I can't wait for Oscar nomination. This is a, this is a good example of a movie um, just hitting all the right, all the right moments and a success as well, because this movie is made a lot of money for the amount that uh, it was made for. So yeah. Um, can't wait for it to come on to home video, too, so I can watch it whenever I feel like it. Oh, and other news, uh, guys, the Emmys happened. And first of all, I, I'm going to say this. Did we really, truly care? Because it's been such a weird year for television because it was really affected by the strike. Um, but I, I still think it's important to talk about what is being recognized out there. Kevin, what do you think? I think that with the list of who won shows me it is um, a bunch of shows that I'm not watching. (laughs) And not only that, but I don't have any um, inclination to want to watch them. I don't care how many Emmys this particular show or two end. I don't care if you're going to shove it down my throat. I have nothing from what I've seen in any trailers that I want to see some of this stuff. And I don't think it's representing uh, the right amount. I don't think it's representing the uh, shows that we really watch and enjoy. So for me, one of the shows that got a lot of outstanding um, Emmys was uh, The Bear. And I actually ended up, I did watch this on Hulu on a, some recommendations because I was also very curious. Everybody was talking about the amazing performance of Jeremy Allen White, who plays the lead role. And I actually really liked this show. I think this show was quite entertaining. Uh, kind of another kind of kitchen kind of thing like chef, um, but a little bit more intense Um, and and, an amazing guest uh, appearance by um, Jamie Lee Curtis in the second season. That was just outstanding. But Kevin, for the most part, I agree with you. Um, I'm going to just run down just a few of the categories here real quick. Outstanding comedy series is the bear outstanding lead actor in a comedy series. Jeremy Allen, white, the bear outstanding lead actress in a comedy series, Quinta Brunson, Abbott elementary, Outstanding it supporting did. in a comedy series, Evan Moss Baccarat, The Bear. Outstanding supporting actress in a comedy series, IO. And I'm going to butcher this, and I'm sorry. Uh, it'd be The Bear. Outstanding drama series, Succession. And this is just the succession category for the most part. Lead actor, Karen Culkin, Succession. Lead actress, um, Sarah Snook, Succession. Outstanding supporting actor, Matthew McFadden, Succession. Here's the change of outstanding supporting actress in the drama series, Jennifer Coolidge, the white Lotus. Succession. I I just said succession ended this year. So I think this was kind of like the Emmys going here. This is where all the success you had over your season, but yeah, this was very heavy loaded. I tried watching succession and I didn't find anyone likable in that show and I can't relate to it at all. Uh, I just could not get into it. And I've seen like, the bear, this, the bear that I've seen some trailers for it and stuff. I like, I, I I don't know if it should be compared to the movie chef because, uh, I think even though I know they're both about people that make food. Um, but to me, chef had something just really kind of, um, it, it, I can't, I think it speaks to a lot of people, but I just get stressed out about even beginning to think of watching the bear. Uh, Tara liked it. She thought it was great. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I think I think it's more like a kitchen
0: confidential. It's got no, a little comparison. Right, maybe. Yeah. Um I haven't seen it yet, but I love Jeremy Allen White. Um, I mean everybody's talking about how he looks just like Gene Wilder and he should have been Wonka, and everyone's talking about his Calvin Klein ad and all that kind of stuff, but he's just really talented. I mean, his his performance on Shameless as Lip was I mean, hands down, my favorite character on the show. I mean he's just He's so good at and his he's a he's a fast talker with and he's got the best elocution for being that that quickly paced. He's just really good at what he does. Good to know. And I'll definitely be checking that out.
1: Um, with succession, too, Kevin, I think that's kind of the point where some the, the idea was you weren't supposed to like any of those people, and I don't really want to watch a show with a bunch of people I don't like, so that's that's just me. But however, the Emmys did have a very powerful and special moment Um, as in the memoriam section, which this year I, w- I, I didn't watch the Emmys live, but I did hunt this down and I found it on YouTube and I guess anybody does it. The number of icons in the television industry we lost this year is shocking. And yeah. um, obviously uh, I was an amazing performance. And at the very end of the performance, they started playing. I'll be there for you, for you and ended with remembering Matthew Perry. And there wasn't a dry eye in the audience when this happened because nobody expected them to change up the music. Um, And it, it, it was one of the better in memoriams I've watched on any of these type of shows in a long time. But again, I will tell anybody, yes. While maybe a little depressing, watch it because it reminds you of how many legends and people who just change television in, or in their lifespan. And Uh, I I gotta tell you, I teared up when I watched that memoriam. That was done really, really well. Charlie Puth singing his uh, his famous song, um, forgetting the name of it now. But I first heard it at, and the, I'll uh, see you again. Yeah, you first heard it at the end of uh, was it Fast Seven after, uh, um, Paul uh, Walker. Paul Walker, Walker passed Walker. away. Yeah. Um, so that was nice that he was singing that there on stage, and then they then they transitioned into "I'll Be There for You." I uh, thought that was really, really well. Um, Just a very powerful moment Definitely, as I said, if you can fi- find the link On YouTube, go check it out But Kevin, we gotta talk about Something, we gotta talk about somebody I don't know If you want him to be your best fan, friend Or if you just worship at his altar But Taz Seleski he, He's been handed the bag He is in charge Chad of Still only, yep Sorry, He's not ahead. only in That's charge good. of John Wick, but he is now officially In charge of the Highlander franchise Um, Yeah, uh, Chad is overseeing uh, both these franchises right now, Um, even though Highlander reboot is not a franchise yet. uh, He's planning on working on it to where it can be if it continues after this first film that we've been waiting for for a very long time. And uh, I've been a big proponent of Chad. Uh, I, I was first just excited that he was interested in Highlander and rebooting the franchise. I said, "Okay, well, that's great. Um, in Highlander fandom community, uh, we a little um, most Highlander fans are a little uh, uneasy for obvious reasons because we've been let down by some so-called sequels, and you know the idea of doing a reboot has been out there for ten whatever something years, and stuff has kind of fallen by the wayside. But uh, Stuntmaster this is the article here on Variety Stuntmaster and director Chad Stahelski will oversee the John Wick and Highlander franchise across the media for Lionsgate. The company announced Tuesday's next feature film will be directing the Highlander reboot starring Henry Cavill as the immortal Scottish action hero. Under his expanded partnership with Lionsgate Stahelski will have created oversight of Highlander and John Wick across film, TV and multimedia platforms. And this is what's kind of important, too. His production company, 8711, co-founded with David Leach, uh, will design a comprehensive multi-platform content strategy for both franchises and guide the short- and long-term creative direction. Franchise strategy and strategic growth of these two iconic properties to ensure that quality, tone, and vision remain constant. Stalheski will work with Thunder Road's Basil Ewan Wick and Erica Lee on the John Wick franchise and Neil H. Moritz and the estate of the late Peter S. Davis of Highlander, who was one of the uh, original uh, producers and creators of the original Highlander movies and, of course, TV series. So the fact that he is staying in touch with the estate of Peter Davis does mean a lot and go a lot that way. Uh, and there's a lot of jaded uh, Highlander fans out there that are like, "Yeah, whatever. There can be only one. Uh, how is this former stuntman supposed to make me believe this is going to be good?" Uh, I think with uh, his insight in the way movies are made, and his, he's been behind the camera and in front of the camera for a long time now, over thirty years. Uh, he was, um, he, was uh, the, he, he was the he uh, was the stuntman for um, uh, Keanu Reeves during the Matrix trilogy. And even deeper cut, he uh, stood in for Brandon Lee to reshoot some of the scenes after Brandon Lee's passing because he, he knew Brandon Lee and uh, he had a similar build as him. And he was able to step in and uh, shoot some of those scenes after he passed away after they got the blessing from uh, his fiance um, and his mom to continue with the film for Brandon Lee. But uh, he has obviously uh, become a good action director and people go, well, you know, Highlander's fantasy, what, what, why would I want an action director? Well, he also does a good job of making sure as a director that what translate to the screen from the script and the story and the uh, um, just the genre, uh, he does that very, very well. And if you watch John Wick, it's not just an action film. Yes, it gets touted as one of the best action film franchises, but look at the lore, look at the characters and the acting in between all of the action. And how they've been able to set this world. So that actually is the more exciting point for me when it comes to wanting to see New Highlander is how he's going to be able to do that. Not just the cool sword fights and stuff like that. I do want to see that, trust me. Mm-hmm. And uh, his production company slash stunt company is one of the most elite ones out there. And he has a lot of respect from his peers and actors as well. like do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah.
0: Just looking at John Wick alone, he's done like you know, martial arts, gun fu, dog foo, all the knife fights in the third film were a fan- were fantastic. He's done he did stair fu with the the John Wick four, like the stair steps and all that kind of stuff. I don't have any question that he's gonna, you know, come up with some really, really good sword fights and all kinds of fun stuff.
1: Yeah, I I just I have faith in him. I like him. And, I, and I've done my research, guys, because I do a Highlander podcast. I don't know if you know that. Here on the Phantom Podcast Network called Bloody Kings. I listen to all of his podcasts that he's guested on. I've watched all of his interviews, and I've read all of his interviews. And the, the feeling that I get is this, this topic of Highlander is something that means something personal to him. That means that he will take care in making sure that it's represented well. It's not just a money grab. Yes, it's about making money because that's what movies do and that's why they're out there, but that he will care about the property. So I have faith.
0: And Henry Cavill is big, big super nerd too. Like he's yeah. really if he if he jumps into something, it's not he's he always makes sure that the, you know, he's always trying to stick with the original materials. He's, you yeah. know, that was one of the reasons he left um Witcher was because they kind of started taking left turns and he was like, This is this is not, you're not paying tribute to the to the original material this isn't that's why I signed on
1: yeah exactly so, yeah yep. so yay Highlander it's going to go into production this year apparently so that's good news hey, fingers cool. crossed I want to see this happen and I can tell you right now that Kevin and Lee will be all over this new any news breaking on this Highlander movie with with Henry Cavill and uh, Chad directing and they'll, they'll be all over it so definitely check out Blood of Kings but um, Kevin I, I can't help but notice the shirt you're wearing I know what I, you're was talking about. It, was, that, was that intentional? <laughs> Actually, no, it wasn't. I've uh, been wanting to wear a different shirt during this uh, this here, Kyle, and uh, decided to wear my Gunter T-shirt. <laughs> um, the reason why I ask is because the next thing we're going to talk about is Apple Vision Pro, which had a big announcement how it is um, Apple's kind of VR, um, very advanced and when it does launch, it will include a, a 150 3D films. But there's something else about Apple Vision Pro, guys. And I'm just going to say, does one of these things look like the other? <laughs> well, I kept thinking what Lacey was saying. What if you have to wear glasses? You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, think they, I think knowing Apple, they will have plans for that, but... This headset, I've been researching this and following this for a little bit since it was initially announced last year. Um, it's very impressive. It's going to do full Dolby Atmos, full 8K. Um, it's going to be pricey. That's going to be another thing. But <laughs> ta- 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 Kevin, talk, talk, o- talk about the service, Kyle, of what they're providing and, and what we're going to see here. Um, at, absolutely, they're going to be putting a whole library out through iTunes, designed with movies built and designed for this apple vision of course you'll be able to watch regular films too but they're doing 3d films disney's very much on board with this product um tv shows everything um a lot of people are saying this is going to be kind of the ready player one start of that experience but one of the things that grabbed me about it kevin and i brought it to your attention was the fact that they are launching 150 3d films on this service And I know both you and I are still a fan of the 3D genre. We both still own 3D televisions. We still buy 3D uh, physical media. Um, And you said you had some thoughts on this as well. Yeah. uh, I see that cord sticking out of the back there, and that bothers me. The problem with putting something that immersive over your head in in our times now as opposed to in Ready Player One when it takes place in, what, 2040s or whatever it is, mm-hmm. is getting comfortable with this around your head and enjoying the theater experience. Now, I have a 3D TV, and I can just take the, any of the 3D glasses and put them over my glasses. They, they they fit that way. But I also have an actual pair of clip-on 3D glasses that I got through an optometrist friend of mine. And this is the real D3D, um, uh, 3D basically, that all of these that you can watch in. And I'm just worried about comfort to be perfectly honest here. And that price point is going to be a tough sell. I know that they're going to have 3d movies as kind of like a side thing you can do, but it's going to be interesting to see. I, I have never put on any of these glasses before. I've never done these virtual reality things before. I've never gone to those booths at conventions. I just, I'm just not, I'm not there yet. I, I, I'm not ready to jump into that yet because it feels and looks cumbersome to me. And I need to be comfortable in my viewing of watching stuff.
0: Lindsay? I tried an Oculus once. I, I didn't, I mean, I put it on. And of course, I just got LASIK surgery. So the problem with LASIK is that you, you have short, you're, you need cheaters more quickly, right? Because I'm 50. If I was 30 when I got it, it'd be fine, right. no problem. but now I'm 50. So I need cheaters and you put an Oculus on it's designed for someone who's got 20, 20 vision.
1: Exactly. And so yeah, I'm 53 going on 54 and I have glasses. I have the bifocal ones with the, mm-hmm. the, the no lines, And so I have to like look up through here and stuff. And you're right. They're all designed for people that have perfect vision. As long as I'm able to put something over my glasses and it doesn't hurt me. Like right Right. now, I I think, was there something about prescription versions of these, Kyle? Well, I was going to say they need to
0: have like a, like a a tuner on the side, like you would use on a microscope, you know? Yeah.
1: Or, or what you do when you look through binoculars, you know? Yeah. 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 Uh, Maybe that's something. there, There has been a, aspect change in the technology of VR and it started with PlayStation 5's VR PS v- VR2. Now while the, the actual product itself is not selling well more because of a lack of game library, PS VR2 where before you had a camera that you kind of had to look at, with PS VR2 they've designed it to where the cameras are actually in the unit and they they're right on your they see your eyes and they see the movement of your eyes and the unit is designed to fit over glasses and so they 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 are getting that and apple apple if anybody's going to perfect that technology it's apple but again the big thing i'm curious if this is not like a power cord or a storage unit that she's hooked into or something like that i they haven't shown enough of it yet it's still it's out there but we haven't really gotten to see it demoed
0: remember in the 70s when when the <laughs> who your mom would be like, don't sit too close to the TV. And now we're literally like wearing them on our face. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's (laughs) going to give you that eyesight. No, we're literally like sticking it to our heads.
1: We're we're, we're one, we're one step closer to going on a key hunt, Kevin. (laughs) Oh, right. Yeah. (laughs) But, but with that guys, we're going to wrap up our news section, but we aren't done yet because we have seen a few things. So it's time to, Buy it, buy it, it, buy it, stream it, dream it, or unsee or unsee it. Or unsee it. it. Kyle, I I uh I have one that I forgot to tell you guys I was gonna put in the notes that I did want to take a minute to discuss. There is a movie that I have seen that I that is worth mentioning. Okay, go ahead. So I saw uh Leonardo DiCaprio's uh, Killers of the Flower Moon finally, because uh, mm-hmm. it dropped on was it Apple Plus? Uh if you uh-huh. have Apple Plus it's now free, you don't have to download download it or purchase it or whatever and i've been and i did not want to go to the theater to watch it because it's like three hour three and a half hours long or something like that and so i had planned on watching it in two parts at home because i was very curious about the topic that it touches on the the true story that it touches on and i was of course i'm a scorsese fan and i'm also a fan of um, uh, of the whole like the cast that was in there. Of course we had Robert De Niro and uh, just great, great, great cast there. And for those of you who don't know, it's about, uh, an Indian reservation in the twenties, uh, in Oklahoma that strikes oil and thus reaping the rewards of the money. And they start, you know, the, the Indian, um, uh, reservation people living there start to reap those rewards and they're living nicely. They have nice homes, nice cars, but unfortunately, uh, it, um, bunch of uh basically greedy white people uh tried to systematically um call the culture so they can have the oil for themselves no
0: not the greedy white people they'd never do that
1: yes calling in ways of not just straight up killing them which they did but also marrying into their families um having children with them so they can be on uh, wills and trusts and eventually take parts of that land over while maybe secretly poisoning people. I mean, it's it was a very sad topic, but I found it fascinating. I ended up watching the whole movie in one in one sitting. But Kyle, this brings up an interesting topic that we have discussed before, is that um, there are certain movies that are good to watch because – by the way, they got the entire um, – Martin Scorsese actually got the cooperation of the Indian community to make this and make it on the same reservation that these things, these, these events happened. Mm-hmm. And so it's all filmed on that location, which is uh, make, gives it an extra realism. And, uh, but it falls – the movie falls under a certain category, Kyle, where it says buy it, stream it, or unsee it. It also falls under the buy it, stream it, unsee it, never watch it again, but you should watch it once. <laughs> so it falls under the Schindler's List category. I actually find Schindler's List rewatchable every now and then because of performances and because of, of what it is, and it's a good reminder to kind of do. But I see your point, Kyle. But yes, I I do not see myself rewatching this film. Lacey?
0: Yeah, Schindler's List. There, there's, a, there's a list of movies that I don't – ever intend to watch because i know the horrible things happened i don't intend to repeat them but i can't watch the bad things happen to people
1: and when i said when i tried to watch succession because no one was likable Mm -hmm. no one is likable in this movie with the exception of the main female lead who i'm forgetting Mm -hmm. her name uh but she's the the indian woman that um uh leonardo marries she is fantastic in this, but it is depressing. It is sad based completely on a true story and uh, wonderful performances. But uh, like I said, man, <laughs> it's not like, oh, hey, you guys want to hang out and watch Killers of the Flower Moon for three and a half hours? It is depressing. <laughs> cool. Oh, Sorry, I didn't mean to do that. Sorry. Yeah. Tara says, being from Oklahoma, it's a great adaptation of an awesome book. Um, I actually was curious about that, Tara. I was curious what, what people thought of it compared to the book. Um, because from what I read, uh, after um Scorsese read the book, he had to make this movie and he went, uh, he went all out and getting it done. You could tell costumes were great, uh, this, the period of being set where it was was fantastic. I mean, I just wanted to mention that. Well, on to another thing, Kevin, that you have seen because Jason Statham is at it again. So without further ado, it's spoiler alert time. Thank you, Jeff. Lily Gladstone. Yes. Appreciate Jeff over there, uh, checking us out. And uh, she, yes.
0: She won the golden globe like a week ago.
1: Yeah, she did. Okay, yeah, great. Yeah. And she she, she's one of the actually, favorites for the Oscar this year. Yeah. And, and and a shout out to Jeff Sloboda. Of course our friend over there at the MCU uh, bleeding edge show on YouTube. You go check that out. But Kevin, we're adding to our Letterbox list, and I, the reason why I've, I've, we're talking about Letterbox because I have started a Letterbox account, Ooh. and um, <laughs> after your amazing year of movies last year, you inspired me. So we are going. I am on Letterbox now, and I am keeping track of the movies I have seen as well. So. Everything by streaming and see it. If it's a movie, it's going on up on Letterbox for whoever has seen it. Lacey, Hester's Lacey's Letterboxd. got it. Kyle's got it. I've got it. Uh, Lacey, how many movies did you watch last year? Did you keep track?
0: Um, I don't keep track of movies that I've watched out of the house. I keep track of movies that I watch, like on Blu-ray and DVD. Gotcha. Um, okay. So that's a whole different story. So well, yeah. I
1: kept track of both last year and I saw 408 films. I don't think I'm going to meet right. that number this year, but I love keeping track of the films of Letterboxd because I've forgotten a lot of these and I like to see my, yeah. my watch, my, my viewing pattern as well.
0: And now we can actually tell people what our Letterboxd uh, handles are so that they can look at our profiles. You can make friends on Letterbox now.
1: I'm Spartan underscore Phoenix on Letterbox, So make sure you check it out.
0: Right on. I'm Lacey Pants.
1: That's me. Hello. Uh, I am K-Sport 16 on Letterboxd, I believe, is what it's set up as. I just set it up. Nice. <laughs> um, but, Kevin, I, I didn't know Jason Statham did a movie about beekeeping. It, 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 I'm, I'm curious. Did you, did you learn how to get the proper honey from him?
0: <laughs> Sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know what I did there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there's one thing that is guaranteed. When it comes to January, and that is you're going to get action films (laughs) because they're not trying to go for any movie awards, but you're going to get your action films and maybe romantic comedies and stuff like that. And Jason Statham, in my opinion, did not disappoint one bit. I was looking forward to this film. I liked the trailer, so I went to the theater to go see it. And uh, I guess you could base, uh, let me give the IMDB a lowdown here. It says one man's brutal campaign for vengeance takes on national stakes after he is revealed to be a former operative of a powerful clandestine organization known as beekeepers. Right? So kind of think of it as like uh, a good revenge actioneer slash, uh, you know, political intrigue and, Jason Statham is Jason Statham, don't get me wrong. And his character, even though he is part of this beekeeper thing, he actually takes care of bees. And he knows how to do it. And uh, someone in his life, unfortunately, kills themselves because they got taken advantage of and got fleeced of all their money. You know all of these online uh, companies that are very clever and preying on people a lot of elderly people as well mm-hmm. like saying hey big, your computer's connected and all that kind of stuff yeah. Well, what love about this is that your villain is not your typical villain it's not your like ex-CIA villain or ex-terrorist villain or you know throw in Russian villain here or you know uh, Middle East villain here the villain here are the people that are leasing people of their uh financial bank accounts and and also um uh trusts that they do for charity and stuff like that and there's these centers that prey on people and put viruses on your computer and learn how to get your information and stuff like that and i love the fact that that's the enemy and that the enemy's power goes right up to the top and he basically is just a one-man army of like Burning down this, taking care of that. And you get to see Josh Hutchinson as a very slimy 20 something year old. Uh, I am rich off you know what and my parents' money. And he is, uh, he's perfect in this. Oh, wow. Okay, so, Kevin, I need to ask you because let's be honest Mr. Statham's last couple of films have not been that great. Okay. Yeah. Expendables 4 sucked ass. And I said that before on it. And, and we also had make to the Trench. make true the Trench, yes, was not good. Yeah, I did not care for that one as well. Uh, this is back j- to Jason Statham. Uh, this is, if you want to see him doing some kicking ass and doing it well, in a smart script, a smart actioneer, and villains that you haven't really seen before, but you are like, oh, my God, these freaking call centers. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> yes. You're gonna you're gonna like this film. It's it's well done. It's only like what like an hour. What was it? How long is this movie? It's not that didn't feel that long anyway. Um, hour and forty five minutes, including credits. Uh, highly recommend. Check it out. And and you also get Jeremy Irons. He's in there as well. Alicia Rashad is in there. Minnie Driver makes a, a moment in there as well. But Josh Hutchinson steals it away as the slimy villain in this. I love it.
0: I'm very excited about this. I have always wanted to be a beekeeper. I've always wanted to have bees. Very excited. I have I have bee lib balm. I'm very happy about it. And Tara said that she's a hobbyist beekeeper who's won awards. What is that about? How this conversation?
1: Two things. I would love to hear what Tara thinks about this movie as she sees it and how he showcases his beekeeping and harvesting of the of the honey. But Kyle, do you remember my biggest gripe about Dwayne the Rot Johnson's career? That doesn't take chances, but I I have some news about that too. I was gonna Okay, my biggest my biggest pet peeve with him is he doesn't have an original franchise character he's made several movies on. He's always jumped on the sequels or jumped yeah. on the stuff that's already happened. He had his best chance with the movie The Rundown. He can still return to that character, but so he has... Good. Lacey? So good. The rundown is so good. Exactly. Yes. He does not take chances when it comes to uh, trying to come up in an original franchise character that's likable and don't even agree don't even argue with me the the black adam was not likable guy i'm telling that right now but this movie here the beekeeper the character that jason plays i see a franchise character here i hope they make another one
0: cool what about Um, i thought that that could no he because that that was robin
1: williams to start with robin williams started that that was not an original franchise
0: sure but he's he's running the the sh- leading the show on
1: it yeah but right? again it's not something he generally okay um, and, and that's that that up. is and and he is not the only star in that 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 is a that is a um ensemble. ensemble yeah ensemble but yes it, yeah. interesting thing just a side note real quick on the rock is he just recently signed a movie deal with A24 who is known for making some different types of films so i'm curious right. to see what's going to happen with that maybe he's going to start taking some chances with his career and doing something different we'll see what happens there but Lacey, I want to talk about a movie you've seen because I'm actually very, I'm very curious about this film. And that film is Wonka with Timmy yes. Timothy Chalamet taking over the Wonka role. Yes. I am a huge fan of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I grew up on that movie. Gene Wilder is amazing as Willy Wonka. Mm-hmm. Don't even talk to me about Johnny Depp. I, I yes. don't want to hear about it. Don't even talk yep. to me. But I am hearing interesting things about Timothy Chalamet's portrayal of Willy Willy Wonka and how he's kind of found his own niche with it. Yes. um, I
0: agree. I loved, um, I love Gene Wilder and his portrayal. And then we all thought that it might be something kind of crazy and wild when Tim Burton and Johnny Depp did it. But see, the thing is that like five years before Wonka, the before Johnny Depp's version, I wanted Johnny Depp and Tim Burton to get a divorce like five years before his attempt came out. You
1: and I have always agreed on that. I'm with you 100%.
0: I mean, anyway, that's a different story, but, but it was such a, I was so disappointed with how that happened. Uh, And, and I was really, really nervous about watching Wonka because I love Chalamet. He's been in some amazing films. Um, I mean, Me by Your name and beautiful boy and all these, you know, he's just fantastic. Um, And, I will always go see his movies opening weekend. I bought tickets for Wonka opening weekend, but did not go because I was terrified that it was just going to be just awful because of what Johnny Depp did to it. And so when I finally saw it about a week ago, I loved it. It was so good. It was. I mean, heartwarming and heartfelt and, you know, all the, all the characters were well put together. Um, It had the feel of the original film. Um, It had a very interesting plot line. You put, I mean, the whole cast was phenomenal, Um, you know, between Chalamet and...
1: uh, Can can I ask about one of the cast members? Because it it intrigues me the most and I really want to see it just for this alone. Okay. Um, Hugh Grant is Oompa Loompa.
0: Yes. He, he stole every like little scene he was in and he well, little, he was, it was adorable. Um, sorry. I was trying to read the article, the post. Um, yeah. Uh, Hugh Grant, uh, he, he, uh, he was on Graham Norton and he said, uh, that recently he's realized that he's in the freak, uh, uh villains and freaks portion of his career. That's what, that's what now, if you it's- watch the guy Richie films, yes. Right, right. He, he, uh, he said perverts and freaks is what he gets offered now. Um and, and he said it's it's long past my romantic comedy days and whatnot. Um but he's he's he was so funny and that was another reason that I kinda And he was know. a
1: villain in the Dungeons and Dragons movies. Yes. So yeah.
0: Well but yeah. but quite a charming one though. I mean he's yes. he still has that kind of the backhanded kind of yeah. So um but yeah he was fantastic. Um, the girl who played Noodle, um, her, uh, her name's Kala, Kala Lane. And then you've got, um, um, uh, Sally Hawkins and Keegel, Keegan-Michael Key and Olivia Coleman, Rowan Atkinson. I mean, Jim, uh, Jim Carter. Like there's so many people in this movie that you know, and that you're expecting to do interesting things and they all kind of play against type. Well, m- most of them do, um, uh, Olivia Coleman was phenomenal.
1: Okay, well, I have to stop you, Lacey, because Olivia Coleman is a worldwide treasure at this
0: point. She's—I yeah. mean, this was like if it's like her, it, the closest thing I can say is that it was on par with with Carol Burnett in Annie, with Carol Burnett's Miss Hannigan. Like that's the role. Like it was that caliber of just delicious, evil, but. She just, she was just so good. Um, it felt like um, sort of like one part Mary Poppins and one part Annie and one part like it just had that overall good, sweet, innocent viewing. So,
1: got a question for you, Lacey? Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna see this. I'm gonna wait for streaming because I don't think. Okay. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just gonna wait for streaming. I've already made up my mind on that. Okay. But for you, is this a buy it? Like because you and I are both physical media nerds. Sure. Stream it. Wait for stream it or uh, unsee it.
0: Uh, it's go back to the movie theater and watch it a couple more times, then stream it until you can purchase it.
1: So that's a buy it for you, definitely. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and, and real quick, and real, definitely real, go real quick, I just I just wanted to mention that for me, this Beekeeper movie is a buy mm-hmm. it for me. I didn't say that at the end there, mm-hmm. uh, and I will definitely be streaming it. But this is a buy it for me.
0: I will also say about Wonka the color. Palette alone and the musical numbers are worth seeing it on the big screen.
1: Gotcha. That's um, a good point. Okay, if,
0: if you are a musical person, if you're, I mean, and it is, it is very like, I mean, just hugely colorful. Um, so there's a lot of singing and dance and, you know, little Timmy Tim does his thing. He sings, he dances. He's the, you know, the whole triple threat. Keegan-Michael Key. I mean, everyone, it's just so good.
1: It's I love so that he's. I love that Keegan's getting these singing roles now. You know, with yeah, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. well, started with so. that Apple TV show he did. Yeah. So Barra, uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, no, hmm. she started with an S. I don't know. I just got Apple TV
0: Plus yesterday, yeah. so I haven't. No, so you're gonna
1: you're you're in you're in for some I'm, treats. I'm we'll, very, we'll, talk <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll talk later. We'll talk later, Lacy. Um, but Kevin, speaking of streaming things and search things, Amazon Original role play with. Our good friend Kaylee. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I I saw the I saw a trailer for this movie, and I was kind of curious about it because I'm a big I love Kaylee Cuoco, uh, and I love seeing her. I watched part of uh was it flight attendant? I didn't watch mm-hmm. all of it, but I watched most of it. Uh, enjoyed it for what it was. Uh, but I, you know, obviously became a a big fan of hers when she originally did Eight Simple Rules for Dating my daughter with John Ritter before he passed away, uh, and I followed her obviously through Big Bang Theory, and I've seen some other films that she's been in, uh, and I'm I'm just I'm a Kaylee fan, and so when I saw this trailer for this movie called Role Play, I was just like, wait a minute, and I was like, this looks kind of fun, so. I was interested in a kind of a fun film, kind of curious where they were going to go with it. Uh, And uh, basically, and then you've heard this story before, a former hit person, assassin, uh, wants to live a normal life, gets married, have kids. You've heard that before. We've seen that before. And I can tell you that I've just recently seen that before because Mark Wahlberg did the exact same movie on Apple Plus, I think it is, with the family plan where he was a former assassin, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, his family, new family gets threatened by this, but Lacey like yeah. Hallmark films. We know Hallmark films are basically a, uh, the same movies to a certain degree. And you know that they're going to end up in the end, uh, yes. and sh- share a dry kiss basically. Right. Sure. But it's not, it's not about how you get from a, to be, it's right. it's what happens in between is the reason yes. why we're watching it. We want to wine, want to wine we want to know why this firefighter uh, takes care of kittens and then meets a school teacher. We know they're gonna get the end, but we want to see how it happens. And we and want that's, to
0: see Brandon Ralph does it at least twice. Exactly. I'm yes. glad you
1: got that mm-hmm. reference. Thank you so oh, much. Of
0: <laughs> yes, yes. Nine lives more kittens, baby.
1: There you go, so I had a feeling this was going to be kind of a cookie cutter plot, mm-hmm. but what run won me over in this in this movie was how they did it, and mm-hmm. uh, I love the uh I love the cast in this film too, and I thought that um Kaylee, it was a nice departure from what she's normally done before, if that makes sense and um David Oelo, who I'm plays. Yeah. He plays her husband in this and he's fantastic. He's the one that doesn't know what's going on. And uh, you get, you get some wonderful supporting characters in there and uh, uh, trying to get out of and clean up her past and the connections to what, you know, what she's trying to get out of it. I found very entertaining and David being the one that's like being brought into this, And wondering, like, what the hell's going on? And the reason why it's called role play is because they're trying to spice up their life. And they (laughs) decided to do that classic thing that uh, married couples do where they pretend to meet at a bar and pretend to be different people. So they dress a little differently and pretend to meet for the first time. But unfortunately, they run into Bill Nye at this bar and things go wrong. (laughs) <laughs> oh man, the minute you throw in Bill Nye and anything, <laughs> things are gonna it Bill away. Nye was great, he came in and hit it and kicked it, it was great. Uh, but I enjoyed this film. Turn your brain off, enjoy it. It's definitely a stream, it and I don't think it'll hit physical media, but if it does, I will buy it.
0: Is it, um, is it more Mr. and Mrs. Smith meets Red or Mr. and Mrs. Smith meets Long Kiss Goodnight?
1: Um. There's no memory loss in this. So I would say it's kind of it's kind of Mr. and Mrs. Smith, but it's more Mrs. Smith. <laughs> yeah. The one, I mean, the one that does true. all of the the, the the action and the killing and, and right. stuff like that. So uh Come on, Lisa, but, if you need Mr. and Mrs. Smith, the Donald Glover remake of has just debuted on Amazon. I can't too. wait! I can't wait. It's I'm coming gonna, out in a couple of weeks. You can watch the, the trailer for it. Yes, yeah.
0: Yeah. I will watch Donald Glover read a phone book. That he is <laughs> so talented, and so like. And I'm not a music person, but I mean, I love his music. I lo- like he's just he's so so all the ta- he got all the talent. Like, where, how
1: did <laughs> leave some for Jeff, the rest of us? Jeff in the chat says that's actually how Kyle and I meet to have drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, must be another Kyle there. But what, what, what's kind of funny here, Lacey, yeah. is we look at this movie as we're getting ready to close out buy it, stream it, and see it. Mm-hmm. But our lead actor in this ties into yes. what we're about to do. And you had recognized yeah. that. And we're going to talk about that because it is time, ladies and gentlemen. Just hold on, because i got to hit a button. Uh, now, wait, 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 Kyle, Kyle, you're hitting the wrong soundbite i understand all that but that frequency that was me trying to find the right frequency (laughs) to get on this because we are dealing with sounds here um you know because it is time to start we are opening and writing the guide to time travel via culture clash style and we're doing that by spotlighting time travel movies for the next several several months um, culminating where we will be not only covering some very interesting time travel films throughout cult- culture culture but we will be doing some of the bigger time travel films on couch potato theater, but we are kicking things off. And what expired all this, as we talked about earlier at the top of the show was me introducing Lacey to the film, a sound of thunder. And. We, there was discussion of how we were going to talk about this on Culture Clash, whether we going to save it from oblivion, but then we got into time travel, and Ke- Kevin got excited because he loves time travel, and we all love time travel around here, whether it's via a hot tub time machine, or a DeLorean, or a blue, blue police box, and we decided, you know what, there's a lot of time travel we haven't talked about here on the Phantom Podcast, so we are writing our guide, and this week, to open up our guide, we are spy- doing our time travel spotlight. Sound of Thunder released in two thousand five. Now, as we talked about Lacey, you you hadn't seen this. You watched it for the first time once I convinced you it wasn't a scary film, right? <laughs> you and I just want I just want first real quick for you to give us your initial reaction to this film.
0: I got to tell you, well, you were there. Um, I I was so excited after I saw it. I was like, wow, I am really glad that you picked this movie because. I, it really would have, it really would have sat on the shelf until I was down to like kind of the dregs of what, you know, that, that, you know, shelf. Um, I, uh, like I said, I I do often follow one character, one actor, and I'll, I'll buy everything in their catalog just so I can have, you know, their complete catalog. And it just, it had been sitting there. I think I bought this movie 12, 15 years ago. Like I bought it a while back. Um, I mean I bought it on DVD I don't even know if there's a blu-ray available
1: I'd be kind of curious to find out what inspired you to buy it but then let it sit on the Ed table
0: Burns. Ed Burns I I just I loved Ed Burns he's been in so many I the um his first trilogy um from um what is it uh, Moonlight and, uh, Brothers McMullen Moonlight and Valentino like um no that's not it Moonlight and Valentino with somebody else anyway uh, Ed Burns uh had been in several movies that I really enjoyed and so I just started kind of every time I saw him in a movie I'd I'd, you know pick it up and then finally with IMDB I just I went on IMDB one day and checked to see what I didn't have like what I hadn't seen of his um and um you know I did that I do that with several different actors of you know I've got everything Denzel's done and you know and you know keanu reeves michael keaton those are some of my you know so i'll just literally anything that they are in i'll buy it i'll watch it um but the horror movies usually do sit on the shelf until i have somebody to watch it with okay all right so
1: now now even more amazing is i actually have found a movie that neither kevin or lacy had seen which that's that's a miracle upon itself
0: yeah like Stump, stump, one of us, okay. And, and By the way, real
1: quick, when you guys search for it, it's not Sound of Thunder, it's A Sound of Thunder. So just remember that. <laughs> now, uh, Kevin, I am curious to your initial reactions to this film. Well, first of all, I bought the DVD, but I actually, um, when I bought it on eBay, I didn't pay attention enough to the uh, um, description, and I just, I bought only the DVD originally. <laughs> I didn't realize it didn't come with the case. And Lacey, you know I'm not having that. I gotta have the case, yep. so I bought one with the case. But keep in mind, I spent maybe six dollars between the two of these to buy both. So now, I, now I've got the DVD and the other DVD. So um, I, uh, I actually did enjoy it. It, it. I love how the computer graphics are a little dated on it, but mm-hmm. I liked uh, some of the performances. I was, uh, uh, I, I was looking at like the concept of it. Cause I, whenever I look into a time travel movie, I wonder like how well did they handle the time travel? How well, what, uh, you know, why did they time travel? I think why they time traveled is I found one of the most fascinating about it. Cause it's kind of basically a time travel safari. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I liked the different people that went on it because there's always like that one jerk that wants to shoot everything. And I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> Uh, and I like the, the way they kind of describe the technology as well. But I do want to say this now before I forget, guys, that is the worst poster to showcase this type of movie. That I understand the butterfly effect now that Kyle and Lacey have explained it to me, but that is a horrible, horrible F cover for a movie, and I'm going to guarantee you that that's one of the biggest reasons why this movie failed. I don't care if it's of a Ray Bradbury story. You got to get something better on there. And Kyle, if you can go to that one um, uh, slide there that shows the alternate cover of this movie in other um, DVD forms, that should have been the original. Show us some freaking dinosaurs, guys. You know, uh, show us. It's it's a spoiler. What's that?
0: Also, the cover itself is a spoiler. I mean it's a spoiler for the reason the thing. I mean, I know the concept of the butterfly effect, but
1: as you're watching the movie, I, I get, I get, get that, butterfly. but this, <laughs> this is the reason why you didn't watch it either. Lacey, because yep. you thought it was yep. a horror movie. Totally misrepresented on here. Kyle, you got that slide up there showing. Uh, actually, board? I don't see it. Uh, For some reason that slide is not showing up here. So hold on. I'll get it it's right here. It's part of the main thing here. So, oh, okay. Let me get it there. So you see the yeah. regular one and the one off to the right is a European release. Look at that. There's like dinosaurs coming out at you. That's the one that should have been sold from the beginning right there. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I'll get off that platform there. I did enjoy it. I loved some of the moments with the characters. Uh, it, uh, it just, it, I thought overall it was a good concept, but finding out that this movie got its budget slashed completely is probably a huge reason why it didn't do well. And I know you're going to go into that, right, Kyle? Yeah, we're going to go into that. First, all, let me just give everybody out there who may have not seen this movie a quick synopsis. A Sound of Thunder is a 2005 American science fiction thriller film directed by Peter Hyams and is, directed by, is starring Edward Burns, Catherine McCormick, and Ben Kingsley. It is, co, it is a co-production film between the United Kingdom, the United States, Germany, and the Czech Republic. The film is based on the 1952 short story of the same name by Ray, Bad, Ray Bradbury. Is about time tourists who actually accidentally interfere too much with the past, completely altering the present. It failed at the box office, earning 11 million against a production budget of 80 million. It received a ton of negative reviews from critics. But I want to talk about this real quick before I get into the kind of strange history of this. Uh, Because because the concept. Sorry, I just want to mention something about the director when you have a moment, Kyle. Okay, no, go ahead. Peter Himes. Peter Hyams, okay, has quite an interesting, and a lot of fans like his work. He's also jumped into the time travel movies, Kyle, because he directed Time Cop. And one of my favorite films from the early 80s, Outland, he did Relic. He did 2010, the year we make contact. He has had an extensive um, career of really cool movies. Recently, of course, he's done The Musketeer, Presidio, did an amazing stories episode. Narrow Margin, one of my uh, uh, favorite films he's done as well. Uh, Star Chamber, we covered that on a Time Warp. He directed that one. Capricorn One. So he has his niche, and I, I just got to give Peter Hyams uh, credit here. No, w- w- without a doubt. He has a he, he definitely has had success, but one of the things that is really interesting with this movie too, is, and the importance of time travel in it, is that we talked a little bit earlier about the butterfly effect, we'll get into that, but how they picked a precise moment in time with the safari, and it's it was interesting because it is a hunt for a dinosaur, and it's at a moment in time when this dinosaur is about to be killed anyway, and what this movie plays on is some very interesting time travel tropes involving that, but I also want to talk a little bit about the history of this movie because this movie has a very interesting and intriguing history because um, Breck Eisner was attached to direct this movie at one stage. The film, which is was actually going to be a short on the classic Ray Bradbury theater show, was picked up to take as a movie because people liked the story so much. But the film was originally going to be directed by Rennie Harlan, starring Pierce Brosnan in the main role, and to be shot in Montreal, Canada. The budget was meant to be $55 million. Filming was to have begun in Montreal on April 16, 2001. Bronson wanted a rewrite of the script, how, script. However, the filmmakers did not have the time to rewrite and finish the film by July 1st, which is when Hollywood writers and actors were poised to go on strike. Matters were complicated when Canadian producer Nicholas Claremont died in April 2001. By November 2001, Harlan had been replaced by Peter Himes, and, and he's quoted as saying, I thought it was a really intriguing story. It was a story about greed and the arrogance of having this technology and using it in this way. Still, I don't think it's a preachy movie. It's a thriller, but unlike the short story, the movie is also meant to scare. Hopefully it gets pretty creepy. Bronson left the project as well and was replaced by Edward Burns. After franchise pictures went bankrupt during post-production, the remaining backers provided only $30 million to work with out of the $80 million originally allocated. Pre-visualization software was used heavily on this film. And you can see it when you watch it in the effects this this movie's effects are very green screen without a doubt. but guys this this film had such a very bizarre I mean this film was supposed to again be out like early two thousand and two and not coming out until two thousand five. And I remember when it I, for me, I remember what came out. I actually saw it in the movie theater and because I, I was, I was intrigued. I've always been a fan of that Ray Bradbury short story, so I was very intrigued. And I'm, I'm also an Edward Burns fan, and I was, I found this movie enjoyable. It has its flaws. The effects, even then, worked the best. But I have a soft spot for this movie. I, I think this is kind of what falls into a cult classic kind of film for you guys.
0: And I will say the 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 special features rem- are reminiscent of like seven to eight years ago sci-fi channel like like sanctuary or um, you know one of those maybe like primeval or Prime or primeval new world um, they have that it's that level so it doesn't pull you out of it completely. It is still a watchable and enjoyable flick. Um, I also really loved the fact that this was based on the fact that in 2055 when this t- takes place, all animals are gone. Like they have hunted animals to extinction, all animals. And what Edward Burns is doing, he's running these um, these tours, but his his payment, his, his, you know, kind of side hustle is trying to get like DNA samples and stuff like that. So he can recreate some of these animals to help the actual environment. So it's kind of got an environmental kind of feel to it as well, um, which I thought was pretty interesting.
1: It's got a great cast in it as well, Kevin. I mean, you got obviously Edward Burns, you've got Ben Kingsley, you've got Catherine McCormick, you have a very young David Owello in this, which Lacey pointed out to me, I had mm-hmm. forgotten he was in this. How, is it, is it Owello? Is that how you it's, say it,
0: Lacey? It's, it's basically, it's O-Yellow-O. So, But you've got you to gotta connect that W and the O at the end, so it's o yellow wo o
1: O-Yellow-O-Yellow-O. Okay. It's yellow between two O's. I uh Kyle, speaking of cast, I was kinda crushing on uh, Jenny Crass, played by uh Jamia J Jamia Ruper. Is that how you say her name? J-E-M-I-M-A J- e- yeah, J-M- Ruper. Yeah Jemima. Jemima. Jemima? Is that what it is? I didn't want to say it that way because I wasn't sure. But anyway, I liked her in this. I thought it was good. I was kind of crushing on her too, to be honest with you. Yeah, I right? I I agree. And um I, I this is a totally different movie of Perks Brosnan season. Oh, okay. Let's. Can we talk about that for a second? Okay. I think this is a bigger hit if Pierce Brosnan is in it. And honestly, I know Rennie Harlan gets crap sometimes for some of the films he's done, but let's look at this Cliffhanger, Die Hard 2, Adventures of Ford Fairlane, Deep Blue Sea, Long Kiss, Goodnight, Night, A Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master. Uh, and I know that he did uh, what was it? Driven. The, uh, what? Driven. Driven, yes. Driven. So but good. he also did uh, the um, Guilty Pleasure movie of mine because um, he was married to Gina Davis and he did the Pirate movie. What was it called? Oh, it uh, Cutthroat Island.
0: Cutthroat Island, yeah.
1: Cutthroat Island yes. Mm. I just think uh, this movie could have been bigger and probably better if they had a better budget. Um. What, what, I will say this, though. A very underrated, fun performance from the Great Banking. Ben Kingsley, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about... there. Oh, look what Lacey produced. Cat Rhode <laughs> Island. I got my copy over here. <laughs> it's a Hermione bag. She just opens it up and a movie comes out. She did this to you on Time Warp, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but let's talk about the time travel method used here, which was advanced technology, where they find a fixed point in time, in in this case, the death of a Allosaurus, so that people can go hunting, but they know they're killing something that is already going to die. What What did you guys think of the method of time travel that they were using, Kevin? I thought it was clever. I I always look for when time travel movies try to give you the way that they're doing it and how they're doing it. If it's kind of original and entertaining, and I, and I like the concept of that. And, and so yeah, that I, I was all for that.
0: I also I like to think about the fact. Well, first of all, the way they do it, it almost looks like they're getting ready to sit and to sit down in a um,
1: roller like coaster a, or something,
0: like an old roller coaster uh, hook, hook you know set up with like the overhead the overhead hang, hang, handlebar things, whatever. Um, but I like to think about the first couple of times they did this. They went back in time and just like sat in the bushes, waiting to like like find something that was about to die. Like, like that, that's the part that makes me go, Oh man, I wonder how many times it took for them to go back. Like, like hiding out in the bushes to make absolutely certain that some, like, they can find this. And then yes. they go back and kill the same one over and over again. But there is a weird plot hole though. They go back every time they come and every time they go back, they go to the same spot with different people, right? They, right. they mm-hmm. put millions of dollars to go and do this thing. And when they show the people coming out, off the, you know, out of the thing and doing their thing, and then going away, they never run into the same people again. They don't run into all the other people, but at the very end, or well, should we? Should we? Are, we did give a spoiler warning, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: So the whole concept is that in order to fix the problem, he has to go back and stop them from doing something. So he goes back, and he, he sees the other people and he sees his other self. Right. It's interesting because he, sh- they should be seeing the same, like every group that's come, bu- come before them, which is an those interesting, aren't,
1: those little, aren't questions you're supposed to ask in time travel. Interesting
0: little nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, well, I didn't realize that until right now while I was thinking about it. It wasn't even, it's, it's been well, like six weeks. So this movie keeps you thinking. The more right, you right. it, Yeah.
1: So, so let's talk about the time travel trope you used here, which is the butterfly effect, which if you're not familiar with the butterfly effect, the basic is if you t- travel back in time and you kill, in this case, it was the, if oh he stepped on a butterfly, killed the butterfly before it's time to die. So he changed something in evolution that goes wrong. And it, it, there's a great episode of the Simpsons, uh, one of the three um, house of horror episodes where Homer keeps, he kills something and he keeps going back and killing more things or doing something different to try to set it right. And he's just making it crazier and crazier. <laughs> As he goes, hence the- I, I like <laughs> how you can, I like how you can go back to a Simpsons episode, or as my wife always reminds me, a South Park episode that can reference anything that's ever been done ever.
0: Simpsons, yeah. South Park, <laughs> Futurama. Those are the three. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That, yep. that is wait, the most- wait, 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 wait. What was the third one, Lacey? Futurama. Futurama, yes, yes. Yeah. So, th- so, so this being our first time, Kevin, you had to get a little bit of an explanation of the butterfly effect. So what did you, what do you think of this time travel? Yeah, so I never saw the Ashton Kutcher movie, uh, Butterfly Effect. I, I never did see that. Uh, but it's, it, it's a trope that's been used without saying that it's the butterfly effect. So that's how I was familiar. When you explained it, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, I've seen that before, obviously. And, and that's probably the main um, threat and trope to use is like, if you go back and change something, then you change everything in the future. And depending on who you believe uh, in either back to the future two or Avengers end game, <laughs> and it usually ends out bad, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I liked, I liked the trope because it's a reliable one. And I like that. Like I said, when it comes to Hallmark films, you just want to see how it's executed, how they get from point a to point B. So yes, We're going to throw this trope that is a trope for a reason, but let's see how you use it. And I did like the idea and how they used it. Lacey, what about you? with the trope?
0: Yeah, it's it's always interesting because with time travel movies, you get, you got three options. You've got, we have to go back and change this thing. We've got, we have to go back to see what happened and not change anything or, oh crap, what happened? I think we're back in time. Those are kind of the three options. Like, uh uh-oh, what do we do now? Or let's change things on purpose or let's not change things on purpose. Those are kind of the three, the three options. I prefer to see the ones where they try their best not to do something. And then something inevitably goes wrong. Those are just kind of the most fun ones for me. Um, until you throw the comedies in there. Those are always just, you know, yeah. give me a bill and Ted or a hot tub time machine any day.
1: So, <laughs> but well, this well, one, so, I love this one. And, and I just want to say too, when it comes to arguing like, oh, that can never happen. Shut up. It's a time travel movie. <laughs> You're supposed to just go with it and have fun with it. You know, who right? cares about whether that it in science that would work or that would never happen. I don't care.
0: I have a response for that. Anytime I love a movie, I'm talking about a movie and somebody says, and I had this happen at a meetup once. We were talking, about we it was a Star Trek meetup because I'm a big nerd. Uh, and this guy across the table from me who I didn't know and didn't ask was basically saying that, you know, oh, the red matter, would not that's not how it would have done. I was like, well, I'm more of a phi enjoyment person as opposed to the psi enjoyment. <laughs> like, I, I'm I'm there for the phi, not the psi. I like
1: that. I'm, I'm going to use that. That's great. Right.
0: <laughs> now, like, If you want to, like, investigate the psi of it all, that's great. I love that you are that invested. I don't have a science background.
1: I'm there for the right. phi. There you go. Well, well said. Well said, Lacey. I appreciate that. <laughs> Speaking of the science and the phi of it, um, let's talk about how time travel went in this movie. And, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> it, didn't, it did not go well because you ended up with this as kind of your main creature antagonist. Lizard um, monkeys. Yay! Yeah. Uh, croc- crocodile but what's That's interesting Lacey, I wonder, is it, is it too much to ask for a toy and a plush version of that?
0: I would totally, I would totally cuddle a gorilla, a gorilla dial, um, um, animal. Yeah. yeah. A gorilla dial well, that, that
1: is a crazy looking creature. I love it. Or what's interesting about. Movie, yeah. yeah. What's interesting about this film is as Lacey said earlier in, in, in their timeline, they've killed all the animals yet by stepping on the butterfly that happens in this film, animals and these weird hybrids of animals rule the planet. The planet is covered in vegetation. Um, you not only have this, which is kind of the main threat through most of the film, but you got a couple other interesting creatures. You got this bat, you've got this eel type creature and even, and I couldn't find a picture of it, but even humans are devolving into some kind of animalistic thing. Cause you see the last time the wave of time kind of hits through. And I think that time wave is why he was able to go back and stop himself. Yeah. Lacey, mm-hmm. I think that's the, the key there. I'll take it. The, I'll
0: take it. That, with,
1: that works. With, the, with, with the time, with the time wave, humanity is even devolving into this more animalistic kind of thing. So, yeah. Um, one guy stepping off the um, solid light bridge onto the ground. Really screwed things up, Kevin. <laughs> yeah. that I, I like that you had that bridge that the... Uh, Time safari participants come out on, and they're not supposed to deviate from that. Yeah, that that's your protection zone right there. And yes, <laughs> I liked how things went wrong uh, when you stepped off that thing. <laughs> and I you know, I just want to mention too, is yes, the effects in this are dated, and there's effects done before this that are much better. Obviously, Jurassic Park and stuff like that, but I thought that the uh, story overall and the character performances in this, and I got, I got to be honest with you. um, uh, Lead actor. um, uh, uh, Ed Burns. Ed Burns. Burns, Yeah. I think he's kind of like, he plays similar characters in his films, but there's just something about the way he does it that makes you root for him Mm -hmm. and like him. And I liked I liked the character that he did, especially the fact that Lacey you touched on it earlier, how he's hitting at it with the science fiction um and learning and, and trying to save and all that kind of stuff angle. And I, I liked that his character was like yeah. that.
0: He's definitely an eco-friendly character.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. Can I just call out Tara? That's awesome. The the little flip books. Do you remember those flip books with the top, the middle, and the bottom mm-hmm. animals? Like Yes. yes. Perfect. <laughs> that's
1: yeah. Awesome. That's how they made, that's how they made that creature. That, that, yeah. that uh, like ape, <laughs> that ape slash lizard creature. Babunadile. Babunadile. Yes, that's what it is. You, that's the name. Babunadile. <laughs> there we go. So I've got to ask you guys, as we, as we are using these spotlights to write our guide to time travel for Culture Clash, is a Sound of Thunder, a good example of a time travel film? Absolutely. Yes. I dig Agreed. it. I'm in. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, one last thing just from you. Just, me, just Kevin, real quick too. I, just real quick. I've always wondered about going back in time and doing a safari with dinosaurs. Because ever since I've loved dinosaurs and time travel for me became a thing, mm-hmm. I <laughs> always wanted to do that. You got to watch
0: Primeval and Primeval New World. Just saying.
1: A BBC show. Very fun. Um, cool. But Kevin, too, real quick. Um, I'm saving this movie. For- I, I'm sorry, you you tailed off there. I didn't hear that. What I, I said. I'm going to I'm going to make sure I save this movie from oblivion as well. Explain that, because uh, not everyone knows that uh, that um, thing that segment that we have on culture clash. We have a we have a culture clash segment. We haven't addressed it in a while, but it is called save save from oblivion. And we find a movie that's kind of on the fringes, maybe hasn't been talked about for a long time people kind of know it, but you know, it's kind of seems like it's lost in the ether a little bit. So we find one of those types of movies. Um, ones we've done in the past include driven, the Sylvester Stallone movie driven. Um, yeah. and we, we decide, do we just let it go off into the ether never to be heard from again? Or do we throw it a lifeline and do we pull it back? And with this movie, this is a pull it back for me. I, I remember I just, I, I like this movie in the theater and, I've seen it a few times and rewatching it with Lacey and seeing her discover it for the first time and knowing you discovered it for the first time, it's it's got a uniqueness to it. It's got a weird place in Hollywood history because of what happened with it. And I agree with Lacey too. It very the effects very much remind me of like early versions of the TV show Sanctuary and its effects with all the green screen. But it's an entertaining movie at the end of the day. Yeah, Lacey, did you freeze up or are you just still? <laughs> I think she froze up. Uh, yeah, we Lacey- we we lost her. Lacey will come back on a second, but I just want to mention that, you know, when you were talking about it, I'm like, really? I never heard of this film. Time travel? Yes. Wow. Good cast. So I guess the decision is, would I save it from Oblivion? Will it go over here on one of these shells or will it go or will it go? back to the thrift store or something like that. Lacey, we're trying to figure out is, would you save this from oblivion? Would you put it on the shelf behind you?
0: Um. Well, I would put it five shelves down under S for, for <laughs> but yes.
1: Not, not a, a sound no, of no, thunder?
0: No, no, no. A N, no. and and are ignored in the alphabet as okay. per words of, I
1: yeah. Just want to double check. Yeah. I definitely save it from oblivion. By the way, Kyle, you don't want to save the movie, Tom Cruise movie Oblivion from oblivion? I throw it out at you and you're like, "Mm." Uh, it's already in oblivion. There's no saving something that's already existing in oblivion. Have you rewatched it? I'm just saying. No, I'm I'm just saying. It's a guy like the movie, but yeah, it's it's, 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 it's oblivion. You can't save oblivion from oblivion. (laughs) It says who? It's a perfect candidate for that for that segment. It is. It's called Oblivion. Well, I, I'm just going to say this. Um, I'm not. I'm not going to say the movie yet, but we do have a movie plan for Save Saved from Oblivion" that I think is going to be a perfect Ooh. candidate for it. I, I want to give a shout out to Tara here. She says, "I'm very interested in watching this movie," and she says, I'll said, I would donate six dollars to the charity of the endangered movie." I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so with that, this, that's going to kind of wrap up our first entry into the guide of time travel, um, but we are already have decided what our second time travel movie will be, ladies and gentlemen. It's one of my all-time favorite books, and it was released in a movie that some people have a mixed reaction to, but I enjoy it. It is stars Paul Walker, Gerard Butler. It's Timeline. Mm-hmm. Directed by Richard Donner. Yes.
0: And it's got uh, uh, another one in it. Keeper Sutherland's brother Rossif is in
1: it. I also um uh Billy Connolly, who I am a fan of, yes. um, who plays Paul Walker's dad in this film, and I thoroughly enjoy it. This so we've got we're going from dinosaurs to medieval times, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and can I just share something that I picked up uh off Absolutely eBay not. recently? I have to share it because I didn't know this movie. I'm a big I like Herbie movies. I don't know if you know this or not. And uh, I found out that um, Ash from Evil Dead starred in a Herbie movie called The Love Bug. Disney's The Love Bug, starring Bruce Campbell himself and Alexandra Wentworth, directed by Peyton Reed. Kyle, do you oh, remember Ant-Man who Peyton Ant Man and also directed some Mandalorian episode yeah. as well
0: and Down yeah. with Love. <laughs> That's go. awesome because he did a 60s movie in the like early 2000s and he used only technology that was available in the
1: 60s to film the Love film. Love that. That's yeah. a good movie, by the way. And this is a VHS copy, Kyle, because oh, yeah. they did not make DVD copies of this. So I'll have to be watching it's this. It's a good old... thing I've sent you a couple of VHS over the last couple of years. Players. Yeah, I got a few. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen. You have been watching Culture Clash Live on the Fandom Podcast Network uh, YouTube channel. (laughs) And yes, Bubba Hobug. Bubba Hobug. (laughs) (laughs) Well said, Tara. (laughs) Extra props for that. Um, There we go. We need the love bug on 4K. UHD Blu-ray, get it on Disney. Come on. It's got to get on the plus if nothing else. Come on. Yeah. Come on, guys. But we have been watching Culture Clash here live on the Fandom Podcast Network YouTube channel or you've been lo- joined us by listening to the audio version of this podcast. Either way, we hope you enjoyed what we've been feeding you with this episode of Culture Clash, um, the guide to time travel where we're spotlighting some amazing films over, and some crazy films and films about motorcycles traveling through time maybe at some point. I, I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of interesting time machine devices out there, Kevin. Yes, there is. That's that's one of the more interesting things that we'll dive into is how they traveled back in time and what device was used. Yeah. Because there's some interesting ones, but as always you can join us on the Phantom Podcast Network YouTube channel to watch any episode of Culture Clash Live that we've done since we opened up the channel. And of course too, you can also find the audio versions of all our shows on our master feed uh, uh, fpnet.podbean.com or you can find all of our podcasts on any of your major I, um, podcast catchers out there from iTunes to Spotify to Amazon to uh, iHeartRadio so many great ones out there you can find our Facebook page where we try to keep you updated all with all things fandom, fandom podcast network you can email us directly at fandompodcastnetwork at gmail.com you can find us on Instagram at fandompodcastnetwork or on Twitter slash X at fanpodnetwork I'm Kyle you can follow me on twi- Twitter slash X at akylew or on Instagram and threads at akylefandom Kevin, where can people find you on the socials? Uh, Spartan underscore Phoenix on X uh, Instagram and uh, threads and also now on Letterboxd. I just want to give a shout out to uh, Tara uh, Ken and, of course, Jeff that came in and said hi to us. Thank you guys for watching and contributing to the discussion. Much appreciated. Thank you guys so much. Lacey, of course, I know you don't have a big social media presence. You kinda of hang out around with us crazy people here at the fandom podcast. I know,
0: Network. I know. But I am on Facebook and I am on Letterboxd. So that's one where you can um, you know, you can find me. I, I I haven't done terribly many, but I have put, you know, probably a dozen or so um, actual reviews on my on my films that I've watched. Things like Jack Brooks Monster Slayer. That's right. <laughs>
1: Like yeah, I have a I I do all movies whether it's theatrical or streaming or whatever or yeah. DVDs but I I always rate them. I don't I don't really give any written reviews, but I definitely rate them. The one to five stars.
0: Got it. But see now when you do a five-star system, do you do based on the 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 value of the film or do you do it based on watchability, like rewatchability?
1: Uh that's all contributed to my my score, yes.
0: Gotcha. See, mine is entirely based on rewatchability. I can see something that is an Oscar winner. It's amazing. It's this you know, fantastic drama. And it's going to be a one because I'll never watch it again. But it's going to be a five if it has the word like mega in the title. Or if there's like a man and beast combination that happened through <laughs> accidentally, it's going to be a five.
1: Well, look, Lacey, you know? There's only one film with mega in it that matters. And that's Mega force. So yeah. it's true. <laughs> Ace, Ace that- says so. he's right over there. Yeah, yeah. if Ace Ace Hunter says so, it it is a fact. Um, Mm -hmm. Again, guys, thank you for watching. You're watching the Fandom Podcast Network YouTube channel. This has been the latest episode of Culture Clash. Guys, thank you so much for watching. Um, As always, too, as we like to close out here, remember, most importantly, not only respect each other, but enjoy your fandom. With that, guys. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye. It is time to get out of here.